0: Well, bond yields have fallen further today, actually to levels we've not seen for a few months. Is that because there's growing acceptance that inflation is not an issue? Well, that's not how the Bank of England's Andy Haldane sees it, and the latest producer prices from China show that even though it might be transitory, prices through supply chains are definitely rising. So who to believe? Well, the proof in the pudding could be in today's CPI numbers from the United States. They caused quite a stare last time. Which way will they veer this time? It's Thursday, the 10th of June 2021. It's the morning Call from NAP. Good morning. Well US Treasuries have fallen further another 5 basis points off 10 years down below 1.49% now for the first time since March bond yields down across Europe too and Aussie 10 years down to 1.57% we've got a 0.3% fall in the US dollar at least we did midway through the session but it's regained all of that now similarly the Aussie dollar has risen then fallen and it's now about 0.2% down below 77.3 US cents the pound is doing worse than most it's losing uh, 0.3% this morning the Canadian dollar hasn't moved much maybe that's because the Bank of Canada kept rates the same, kept its asset purchases the same and didn't change its forward guidance, even with CPI around the 3% mark because it's all transitory, haven't you heard? Uh, And equities are on the slide as well. The Nasdaq was on the rise but lost all of it and some close to the market close. The S&P marginally down, the Dow losing 0.4%. Banks are faring pretty badly. Wells Fargo, JP Morgan and the Bank of America all losing more than 1% and shares largely down in Europe too and oil's down a little bit. So today we are delighted to be in the company of the esteemed Tapas Strickland, Director of Economics for Markets. I, mean, see, I thought I'd talk tore you up a bit today, Tapas, just to keep me interested. Um, let's look at bond yields first of all, because that's probably the, the main move, isn't it, overnight? 10-year treasury yields, well down. Actually, they got down to 1.47%. We had an auction of 20- to 30-year bonds, for which the offer-to-cover ratio was lower than last time, 2.49 versus 2.82 times. And we saw 30-year yields getting down to 2.148% for the first time in a few months. So what's happening here, do you think? Uh,
1: Good morning, Phil. Yeah, the movement in the bond market has been very, very interesting. And really, there has been no clear catalyst for that move lower in yields. So to me, that suggests it's mainly market positioning being that dominant factor ahead of the CPI on Thursday. And playing to that view, uh, when you look at uh, JP Morgan's recent client survey, that that showed US Treasury position was near its most short since early 2018. And there's a few stories also going around that risk parity hedge funds may have shifted uh, some of their stock and bond allocation based on the low volatility seen in the bond market over the past uh, couple of months. Uh, but regardless of the um, main driver there, it's clear that uh, US 10-year yields are down 4.4 basis points to 1.49%. At one point, uh, did hit 1.47%. Uh, so, uh, there has been some clear break lower in the
0: uh, range that we've seen. So, given that they've broken through that point, could they break even lower, do you think?
1: Yeah, it's, it's, it's not clear, especially just ahead of uh, CPI on Thursday. Um, one – uh, factor that's worth noting is though when uh, U.S. Treasury auctions occur and when the auction uh, trades through the prevailing market yield, um, historically that's been a fairly bullish signal for for bonds uh, for, uh, for for several weeks. So maybe over the next several weeks it's it's, it's not that bad for the the bond market. But just worth uh, cautioning that what we have seen um, over the past uh, 24 hours looks more like a positioning move than any change in real fundamentals going Out there. In terms of the overwhelming narrative that's going on in markets at at the moment, it it is still the fact that we've had two payrolls reports that have disappointed in terms of the number of payrolls that have been created, and the length of time needed to get back to pre-pandemic employment is going to be a lot longer. And the narrative that inflation maybe transitory seems to also be picking up so when you look at the 10 year implied inflation break even that's currently trading at
0: 2.32% um, from a high of 2.59% back in early Yeah May. well uh, maybe not if you're Andy Haldane but we'll get on, to, get on to that in just a second but I mean it is obviously US CPI that everyone is holding out for in April it was 4.2% year on uh, year in May it's expected to be a little higher than that isn't it but as you say just everyone's accepting now it's, it's only temporary it's just transitory.
1: Yes yeah yeah so uh, USAPI is definitely the one to watch coming up. And the consensus there looks for core at 0.5% month-to-month and uh, the year-ended rate at 4.7% year-on-year. And when you actually look at the distribution of forecasts within the Bloomberg survey, they range all the way from 0.2% in the month all the way to 1.2% in the month. So it looks like it could be um, a very volatile outcome in terms of markets, just depending exactly where US CPI prints. And I think the one caution I would say is if you did get a succession of CPI prints that were printing towards the high side of expectations, then you'd have to say there's some element within the CPI that we're seeing that maybe isn't transitory. And as such, I think a lot of analysts out there will be looking at some of the services components within the CPI, uh, just to see whether there is um, a more permanent
0: uh, lift in inflation occurring in the US. Now, what about wages? I mean, that could that could be an element of it as well. Uh, definitely.
1: It? And we have seen average hourly earnings uh, pick up recently. And yeah. uh, in last month's CPI, we did see um, uh, prices for restaurants and takeaway food services actually starting to lift, and their largest input in terms of costs, And either. that is, you
0: know, that, that that's not tragedy. People don't like it when they're told that their salary is going to go down having had it pushed up. So, <laughs> if it goes up, it stays there, doesn't it? Look, uh, one place where inflation doesn't seem to be a concern, or well, maybe it does, is China. They were funny figures, weren't they? Uh, we had uh, PPI from May is 9% up from 6.8% in April. But May's inflation rate is just 1.3%. So, obviously, it's not getting, which is less than forecast. And month on month, it's actually 0.2% down. It looks like uh, input prices are going up and it's not getting passed on. Yes,
1: that's right. So in the domestic Chinese market, that appears to be the case. But I think the more important thing for the Chinese PPI is what it means for the global inflation cycle. And uh, China has been a source of persistent disinflation over the past three decades. And uh, this is perhaps one sign that maybe that's starting to reverse and go more towards an inflationary point of view. Um, At the same time, though, we have to balance out uh, exactly what's driving that higher PPI. PPI and it does seem like it's global commodity prices. So for as long as commodity prices remain elevated, then that could see higher global core goods prices coming out of China.
0: Now I mentioned the back of Canada; not much change there, did it? Uh, you might want to comment on it, but maybe we should focus really on the ECB because that's uh, still to come: to taper or to not. I mean, the signs have been fairly dovish, haven't they? There, even you know, even from the hawks. I mean, everyone's taking on board this uh, this idea that. Whatever inflation is, it's it, it's going to it's going to settle down eventually. Yeah, that's right. So we don't think the ECB will be in a rush to deliver a
1: taper message, and we think the ECB post-meeting statement will continue that line of significantly higher pace of bond purchases over the current quarter. Uh, just given the recovery that we have seen in Europe and the rollout of the vaccines, uh, it's likely that there will be upgrades to their growth forecasts, and uh, we think there may be some need to scale back on the pace of purchases
0: in Q3, but we don't think that will come through at today's meeting. Right. And uh, while we are in Europe, uh, we had uh, Germany's uh, data overnight showing that exports lower than expected, just 0.3% out month-on-month, month, imports down 1.7% month-on-month. Month. But, I mean, that's the golden question, isn't it? Is it, uh, is it because of demand or is it because of supply, whatever it is? That's also probably transitory.
1: Yeah, so we've been looking quite closely at the trade data more recently and there is starting to see some signs that maybe the peak in global goods consumption in the developed markets Um might, might be here and of course that that should occur at one point because obviously uh, consumers were unable um, to consume a lot of services due to the pandemic uh, virus restrictions and you'd expect some kind of pivot away from goods and towards services and at the same time you would assume that consumers have satiated a lot of the pent-up demand and may have actually brought forward a lot of the demand in terms of goods consumption. I know myself having recently purchased a uh, new TV and a new Computer, I probably won't be purchasing those items uh, in uh, for quite some time. And I think that's a story that's also playing out in a lot of the developed consumption markets as well. So I think that's definitely something worth, worth watching. It's probably a little bit too early uh, to be definitive on that. Mm. But if you did get a few more um, trade prints, uh, both in Germany and in China... That shows you that shows you
0: some slowing in imports and exports. Then that would give you more uh, support for that view. And the the slide in the pound overnight actually it's not that you know it, it's not huge. is it? 0.3 percent down. But do you think uh, the, the the news that Brexit talks this is like old times? Brexit talks falling apart, even though Brexit's already happened. But that we are coming to the end of the grace period uh, over the Northern Ireland Protocol, uh, with them all getting in uh, all topsy turvy over, uh, over sausages and the like. Uh, those talks. Fell apart basically overnight uh, so it is is that what's caused the pound to slide do you think oh uh, yes that's right. So, actually, going
1: into those headlines, uh, the pan looked a little bit stronger just because those hawkish uh, comments coming from the Bank of England chief, um, um, Haldane, who was really warning about the prospects of inflation and entrenching higher, mm. higher inflation expectations and the need for the Bank the of England. The most
0: dangerous time
1: for monetary policy since 1992. Yes, uh, no, I can't, said, I can't quite recall back States in 1992, <laughs> but we did have that aggressive bond market <laughs> sell-off uh, in 1994, mm. um, and uh, you
0: did see that lift in, in, in inflation out there. Well, but he, I mean, his put- his his point was that inflation was going to be like you know like we saw in the seventies and eighties you get wage demand for wages to go up so prices go up and then you have this game of leapfrog as he called it and it it spirals out of control so we've got to make sure that doesn't happen that was his big point wasn't yes
1: it? that's right and I think markets to some extent discounted some of those views just given
0: he yeah. is the outgoing Bank of England chief totally ignored it I mean there wasn't as you said it hit the pound a little bit but uh, no one was going oh if they're going to have inflation we're, you know we're going to face the same problem because you could argue the same thing could be argued in the United States but yeah, as you say largely ignored let's get back to the Brexit talks falling apart, because that was the big news, I guess.
1: Oh, yes, uh, definitely. And uh, I guess the key thing here is those uh, UK-EU trade tensions aren't going Mm. away and haven't necessarily been resolved, it looks like they
0: may be a little bit more more yeah. attractive. So it's still going on, even though, you know, it's the same issue that wasn't resolved before. They signed an agreement, they don't like the agreement, they're still arguing about it. Uh, how long can that go on for, I wonder? Uh, meanwhile, let's, uh, let's sort of closer to home. Uh, and uh, Christopher Kent from the RBA, look, inflation isn't a concern in Australia, is it? I mean, it will eventually rise in Australia, he was saying, but it's going to be some way off.
1: Yeah, Christopher Kent actually made some really interesting comments in the respect that the RBA has definitely been surprised by how the real side of the economy has performed, and uh, GDP in Australia is obviously back to pre-pandemic levels, and employment is above pre-pandemic, but they haven't been surprised on either inflation or wages, Um, so that's still giving them confidence of their view that um, an eventual rise in wages and inflation will be a gradual process, and uh, inflation is unlikely to be sustainably within the RBA's target until 2024 at least. So I think that's interesting just in the context of um, the RBA perhaps um, ramping up some of the messaging in terms of that forward guidance ahead of that July board meeting uh, where it's widely expected that they will not roll over the uh, three-year YCC and uh, is likely to uh, taper some of the uh, QE purchases Um, out there and then there was also some comments by outgoing uh, external board member uh, Ian Harper um, who pushed back again on the need for macroprudential
0: policies to cool the housing market and in New Zealand I mean are they running too hot the the ANZ business survey yesterday uh, gave you know more signs that perhaps it is hence you know this expectation that the RBNZ will actually lift rates as soon as next year
1: yeah that's right so our colleagues in BNZ think the RBNZ will raise rates, uh, I think, by May uh, 2022. And uh, when you yeah. look at that um, ANZ business survey in, in New Zealand, pricing intentions uh, had moved up to a fresh record high, and the series goes back to 1992. And uh, a staggering 62.8% of businesses intend on raising prices in New Zealand. So there does seem to be a little bit of an inflation pressure occurring in New Zealand. And I think in a global sense, in terms of inflation um, – People will be watching New Zealand qu- quite closely given that they came out of the... Uh Pandemic in terms of virus control first, uh, and uh, if you do start to see a rise in inflation, particularly on the services side, um, then is that also a flag for what we could see in other countries? Well, you as mentioned
0: well. Uh, CPI being the big number for today. Also, uh, we also get the weekly jobless claims as well, don't we? Which were in the United States, which were down quite a bit last time, and they're expected to fall a bit further this time. I guess that's another one. If it, uh, you know, if, if it falls sharply, then perhaps people's expectations are that things will recover that little bit faster. If they're slow, then you know, adjust accordingly. So uh, that's another one to watch. And look, all world leaders are descending on Cornwall right now for the G7. Even I I wonder if they're going to have pasties for lunch, assuming they're in Cornwall, or or German sausages perhaps more likely. Uh, But uh, this is Joe Biden's first official trip as president. Scott Morrison's going to be there as well, because it's really the G7 plus India, South Korea, Australia and South Africa. They're all going to be there. Uh, Look, we can talk more about this tomorrow as to whether it's a a gab fest or whether anything solid is going to come out of it. But the interesting point for Australia is, you know, what about the Australia-China relations story? Is uh, is that going to be discussed and is Australia going to get any support on it?
1: It does look like it is going to be discussed and uh, Prime Minister Morrison did background uh, media just before he left saying that Australia will push G7 leaders to back the restoration of the penalty system under the WTO to curb China's economic um measures that have taken against Australia most recently. So it, to us, it looks like Australia-China trade tensions are going to going to continue. And at least within the G7, it looks like uh, President Biden may take a more multilateral approach with China and try and get a broader coalition to tackle some of those uh, trade and
0: investment issues. All right. Well, we'll see what happens there. Good to talk as always, Tapas. Catch you again soon. Cheers. Uh, thanks, Phil. And we're rounding the week off with Dave DeGash joining me tomorrow morning on The Morning Call. I'm Phil Dobby for NAB. See you then.